Support for this episode of Mining Stock Daily is brought to you by Pacific Empire Minerals. Pacific Empire is a junior exploration company focused on the discovery of gold-rich copper deposits in British Columbia. The company trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the symbol PEMC and on the OTCQB markets with the symbol PEMSF. The company currently has a very tight share structure with its unique approach to the prospect generator business model incorporating the company's own reverse circulation drill to advance projects beyond that of typical prospect generators. Learn more information on Pacific Empire at pemcorp.ca. everybody, welcome to Mining Stock Daily. This is Trevor Hall and I'm sitting here with the CEO and President of Corvus Gold, Mr. Jeff Pontius. He, Corvus Gold trades on the TSX with the symbol KOR and also on the OTCQX with the symbol CORVF. They have a nice little property down in Southern Nevada and I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar uh, with both Motherlode and North Bullfrog properties that uh, Jeff and his team have been developing for the last few years. We are going to do a kind of a summary of 20 of 2019 and then get into the outlooks for next year, Jeff. But first of all, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, how have you been? Could you please sum Great. up? Could you please sum up? What did 2019, uh, you know, as we wrap up the year and you kind of look back? Uh, how was 2019 kind of a, a new definition for uh, for the project there for Corvus? Well, for Corvus, it was a, a great opportunity for us to take uh, what we put out at the end of 2018, which is our PEA that outlined a project with about 3.6 million contained ounces in pit in uh, in it, most of it M and I, uh, and and really take that to the next step. So we went in, did about. Uh, 30,000 meters of drilling in the Motherlode area to do our what we call phase three expansion. Uh, those results came out great. We were very happy with uh, what we've got. It looks like we'll be adding somewhere in the neighborhood about 300 to 400,000 ounces to the deposit with that work. So that was very effective. Uh, we were able to also raise significant money during the year. Uh, we just completed a bought deal financing with BMO uh, for 23 million and that was in October and that really cashes up the company for a two-year exploration program uh, and and then some so uh, that's we immediately moved into what we call phase four uh, at Motherlode and that's what we're drilling on right now we're chasing mineralization in the central zone where we just released some results in uh, in the early part of December here and then uh, we'll also be looking at the northern extension of the ore body as we go uh, uh, down dip to the north. So that's an Im uh, important thing that's going on for the next six months. You're going to see a lot of news and a lot of intercepts from that area. Uh, we were able this summer to get in and do our follow-up drilling. We haven't been back there in two years probably at North Bullfrog. Uh, that project has been reconfigured. It looks like we'll do uh, what would be probably considered a starter pit uh, type project. And uh, that's going to have about a million ounces in pit in it. Uh, it's the higher grade part of the system, the main vein system at Yellow Jacket and the surrounding low grade. Uh, initial look at this stuff looks uh, to be very attractive. It looks like we'll be probably with uh, uh, NPVs in this project that'll be in the neighborhood of close to 400 million for this starter project. 
and we can get it going for uh, under $100 million. So uh, that's a great way to get up and going and get this project making money so it can basically finance the further development of the project. Uh, Motherload itself is probably the big uh, brass ring that we have out here. Uh, right now it looks like we'll be pushing that deposit resource uh, close to two million ounces. Phase four could easily add another million ounces yeah. to it. So uh, lots of cool targets uh, at Motherload as we grow it. Uh, we did find a new vein system at North Bullfrog called Cat Hill. Uh, we'll be following that up with some uh, follow-up uh, uh, fairly wide space drilling initially to get a shape and then we'll come in with resource development drilling if all that pans out. Okay, so <laughs> I have yeah. so many questions in a very <laughs> limited amount of time. Sure. Um, the starter pit at North Bullfrog was uh, kind of news to my ears because it sounds like you can actually start generating some cash flow yeah. that would help the development with Motherload and North yes. Bullfrog, correct? Absolutely. So, But you need about $100 million to get that started. So do, yeah. you, do you foresee going back to the markets to raise to get that starter pit next year or in two years? or You know, what we're doing right now is, is raising the level of understanding of that to pre-feasibility level okay. so we'll be we'll be conducting a lot of development type work uh, some additional metallurgy with the grinding circuit we're looking at um, so that work has to get done it, it will have that uh, wrapped up about the the uh, middle of the year summer and uh, we should be able to make some decisions at that point so uh, some of that 23 million dollars that yeah. was just raises Part of this PFS right okay. right and that that uh, goes to uh, bringing that along so we can make an actual decision about what to do with it in the future now one interesting thing is this project uh, is uh, very attractive for uh, mid-tiers and so we've been we've uh, have a lot of uh, interest I would say in phase one uh, from mid-tier groups and uh, so it, we'll see how this project gets developed, but it is very well advanced on the permitting front. We've got cultural surveys, air quality, water quality. All this data is, uh, is up to snuff and ready uh, for, with a little bit of work, for a submission of a mining permit. Mm -hmm. So that will be the next big, big phase for this after the PFS, I think. Okay. Uh, so I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I was chatting with our friend Luis Garcia the other day oh, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Highgrade, and uh, he, he then just bombarded me with questions that he said, hey, you should ask him, you should ask Jeff yeah. about this, ask Jeff about this. So, so I, I have to give Jeff credit sure. for some of these follow-up questions, but I definitely want to talk about some of these deep drill targets of Motherload. Yeah. Yep. Uh, news came out, I think it was last week or two weeks yeah. ago, uh, with the two initial drill results. It right. sounds like there's four drill results that are still pending assays. Right, we're, we're, uh, those should be available in the new year, and we'll get those out as soon as we So get my question with those is, is is this a different type of mineralization below that of the current resource that you're seeing, and how does that change the, the dynamics of the project at Motherload? Yeah, it, it, it is a bit different. If for one thing, it's all oxide, because our main ore body at Motherload is a sulfide ore body. We've advanced metallurgy on that now, that sulfide body, and it looks like biox is going to be the way we're going to go, tank biox. Uh, very similar to what Anglo's doing on their property uh, at Silicon. And, uh, and they have a lot of experience with that. They're also our largest shareholder at 19.9%. Uh, so that, that, that is the main ore body at Motherload. Now this new mineralization is following intrusive dikes, which are th thickening as we go down 
dip on these. As we drill them deeper, they become broader, they're well mineralized, the surrounding Paleozoic sediments, carbonates around them are well mineralized. So what we're, we're running into more of a classic sediment hosted system that you would find maybe a bit more in, in the Carlin trend. And, uh, and the beauty is we have very deep oxidation at mother load uh, below the main sulfide body. And, uh, and so we're gonna continue following that down dip. Now we have a geophysical target at depth, which is a very interesting target. It's a, uh, a chargeability target, which suggests sulfide mineralization. Uh, and, it's, uh, and it's quite a broad resistive target, which suggests silicification. So in those, uh, you know, the model for that is more of an intrusive or uh, maybe a small porphyry type intrusive there. Uh, that is a really attractive target. So, and as we drill this uh, uh, widening intrusive related mineralization down dip, we expect to go and uh, intersect that target. The first hole into that geophysical target will be collared about the, uh, will be started around the middle of mm -hmm. February, and we should see results on that in, uh, in March. So I, I am not a geologist, but one of the things that caught my attention was, I, I feel like typically uh, people that do follow the industry will see oxidized gold above a sulfide gold yep. layer. Right. Is, so you're talking with the oxide layers actually below the sulfide. Is, right. that, is that unique for, uh, it's for so, exploration? It, yeah, yeah, it is unique in this situation and it's driven by the fact that the, the stratigraphy or the, the layer cake geology in the area is dipping to the north and daylights to the south. And what we had is a, a series of sediments in there that had a clay layer that sealed off the system and preserved the sulfide ore body. Uh, very typical of what you would find in the Carlin trend, these sulfide mm -hmm. bodies, uh, strata-bound sulfide bodies. And then the, there's an unconformity between the upper sedimentary package and the lower package. And that unconformity was altered and, uh, and a lot of silicification came in, a lot of brecciation, and uh, allowed a pathway for surface water to go. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a uh, water table in the Beatty area is quite deep. It's a very dry part of the world. And, uh, and so that water table goes down to about uh, uh, 1,500 to 1,700 feet. And so what, what we've drilled is the upper sulfide body, we've drilled through that unconformity or that contact, and then down into an oxide zone that it is benefit from surface water oxidizing it over the last 12 million years. So, so that's, it, it is a bit of an upside down ore body. But it's, uh, it's uh, very intriguing, and, uh, and with this new zone associated with this dike, this uh, widening dike at depth, which is quite good grade for oxide mineralization, it's gram and a half to two gram type material, uh, it would be very, it'll be very lucrative. We can mine it all out of the open pit right now, so uh, it looks like uh, it's definitely going to fall into the into the resource. Well, and, and that's one of my follow-up questions because it almost, and I know this is pretty forward-thinking, but could your sustaining costs actually decrease the deeper you go to mine? <laughs> that's true, and uh, I just had this discussion. I was meeting with Anglo, and they're they're doing a lot of work in the area, so we we talk about things geologically and. Uh, and they, you know, their, uh, uh, the, the, the Anglo person I was talking to was saying, you know, this is really unique in the fact that, that you could actually, uh, your cash cost could drop the deeper you go in the deposit, right, right, which is right. unusual for, for open pit mining projects. Well, and, and that's, 
obviously when you're looking at partners or some yeah. sort of acquisition or merger in the future, I mean, that's going to definitely come into play, right? Yeah. And so we're putting a lot more holes into that area because it looks really intriguing. And we're getting some deep holes to continue taking that down dip. We'll eventually go through the oxidation uh, uh, zone down probably around, I'm guessing it'll be uh, around 1,800 feet, maybe 1,900 feet down, and then go into a sulfide system if the geophysics is correct. And uh, that sulfide system would be the primary ore, and, uh, and that could be uh, large. Okay. It could be extensive. And so, and I think you mentioned before, but can you just rehash what the time frame is for some of these new drillers, all specifically yeah. with the porphyry targets you were mentioning? Yeah, so we're, what we're doing right now is completing a series of pre-collars. Basically, we drill RC holes down, case them, and get ready to drill core tails uh, out the bottom of those holes. We can drill those quite deep, we get a lot of geology from the, from the core as we drill it down deep. So we'll be drilling a series of those as we go north on the ore body down dip. Uh, and we'll be drilling a series of those in the central area, uh, in this geophysical target area, what, that looks that we'll be testing this intrusive target at depth. And then we'll also be drilling a series of them to the west, where on the other side of a large fault that dips to the west, we call the Fleur Spar Canyon Fault, and the down drop piece of the motherload ore bodies on the other side of that, we believe. And so we'll be drilling some holes into that to see what that looks like on the down drop block of that fault. Mm -hmm. So those are the deep targets that we'll be drilling. And, uh, and they're, they're all fairly thick targets. So they all represent uh, attractive mining scenarios, whether they're gonna be open pit or underground. And, uh, and the history of the district is typically uh, at the, what Barrick did there was mine open pit until they got too deep and then they mined it underground out of the bottom of the pit. And I, I imagine it'll be a similar thing for Motherlode. So Motherlode looks really exciting. It looks like it could be another sediment-hosted gold system in Nevada and those things have typically been five to 10 million ounce type targets. So they're really attractive. Yeah. Uh, in the press release it says uh, it looked like this extension moved to the southwest of Motherlode, mm -hmm. is that correct? Yeah. So if you're looking at the land package, mm -hmm. I mean, just like, do you have enough within your permitted area to go far that southwest? It almost looks like you could actually go under Beatty, the yeah. town of Beatty, right? Well, <laughs> well uh, we have a big package of land further off to the, to the west of us, of Motherlode property that we own, but we're surrounded by Coor, and uh, we're working quite closely with the Coor guys, okay. uh, uh, Coor Mining, and, uh, and they're drilling a series of holes on the northern extension of Motherlode. Uh, mother, if motherlode is a typical said hosted system, it's probably extensive, and it probably does extend onto Coors ground to the north. Uh, so uh, I would imagine, you know, we're hopeful Coors is going to be very successful. Uh, what we really want is uh, for all the groups in the area to define a very large mining target, uh, multiple pits. Anglo's got what sounds like a terrific discovery up at Silicon. Uh, they're doing a lot of work in the district, and so we're seeing, you know, lots of work going on by Coor, lots of work by Anglo Gold, and lots of work by Kenross. So uh, a lot of companies have uh, discovered Beatty, mm -hmm. which, you know, we've been there for like 12 years, and yeah. finally we're getting some press out Well, there. <laughs> and, and, and I do want to talk about that jurisdiction, that yeah. kind of sub-jurisdiction here in just a few minutes, because uh, I think after seeing the Nevada Barrick merger to Nevada Gold yeah. Mines, you know, 
is there something potential that could happen like that in southern Nevada where you're located with all these major players, right? Yeah. So. Well, uh, in, obviously not our place to say, but yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the way things usually work in these uh, in these evolving exploration plays like this is uh, one uh, usually the large company <coughs> consolidates land if they can, and mm -hmm. so uh, they they definitely don't choose to have partners. Right. Uh, they, they choose to control it all themselves, and uh, and you know, so uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's going to be an important target. We need to we're we're working very hard to to explore the entire district and really open up the potential of this district because we believe at the end of the day that kind of consolidation will happen. Well, and I think the strength of the position is, I mean, obviously Nico owns just under 20% of... Uh, Anglo Gold. Oh, Anglo, sorry. Yeah. Uh, oh, excuse me, Anglo Gold owns just under 20%. Uh, but then you also have uh, Core and Kinross in the area, so you yeah. are not one of those plays that uh, kind of abides that, you know, the major producing company has the leverage ultimately if a merger were to take place in the right. future. Right. There's a half a dozen institutional shareholders and management that control uh, over 50% of the stock right. without Anglo. So, uh, so yeah, that Corvus has got a great shareholder base that would allow uh, for competitive uh, uh, you know, uh, competitive situation. But can a takeover be your only exit here, Jeff? Well, uh, you know, phase one is becoming a really interesting uh, opportunity for us because yeah. it's, uh, from a financial standpoint, it's within the scope of a company like Corvus. I mean, we have a, a roughly about uh, a little less than $200 million market cap for uh, U.S. Uh, and there's a, a structure of being able to finance phase one. Uh, with that, a, a series of debt and uh, equity, and uh, this and would be the starter pit. The starter pit, and uh, and you know it is uh, mining is a very difficult business, and it's very uh, filled with uh, uh, danger, basically for the <laughs> for the development companies. And I've been through a couple buildouts, and which I've is seen, why we're here. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen I've seen some. Uh, some very difficult things uh, that's hard, but the beauty of the phase one project is it's off the shelf, dead simple, heap leach project. Uh, it is something that could be within the scope of a, of a group like Corvus. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very fortunate and we, about a year ago, we added our new chairman, uh, Ron Largent, who was the chief operating officer for Anglo Gold Ashanti. Uh, worldwide and and Ron brings I've worked with Ron on projects where we built mines and and developed them uh, made them better and uh, so you know we we can make a good decision within the company uh, Corvus would certainly have to fill itself with people that could execute but there is a opportunity for Corvus to take phase one forward because it, it's it's a doable project mm -hmm. for us so that, that sounds wonderful. Phase one starter pit sounds wonderful cash flow, but then obviously there'd be ongoing work over at Motherload, which you just yep. you describe as the brass ring with the That's entire it. land package. Yeah. So with these new deeper drill, um, phase four drilling happening at Motherload, would you kind of go into an updated PEA next year or 2021, or would you maybe go straight into more PFS level work for Motherlode? Well, uh, I think Motherlode will be part of uh, an updated PEA that should be out in summer. Okay. Uh, and it'll include the phase one project. So we'll reconfigure uh, Corvus 
so that we can bring this project forward uh, in a, in with a lower initial capex mm -hmm. and and paint a pretty uh, good picture, I think, of how this could go forward with a smaller group like Corvus and eventually get into the mother load part of the equation. I mean, we've had some great MET data come back lately uh, that looks like uh, the bioox uh, that we're looking at uh, for treating the sulfide ore is, is going to be uh, a drop the overall capital of the current uh, PEA by maybe a hundred million dollars and that's that's all of a sudden things become much more doable if you've got phase one building that that financial flow for you. So I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, assessment that we come out with and remember we we do all of our work at 1250 so we're, we're using a fairly conservative gold price on this and uh, and you know we'll look at it at what does it do at higher gold prices like usual but this project's probably going to perform really well at yeah. 1250. So you'd be putting both Motherlode and North Bullfrog into basically one study? Yes that's right yeah and we'll be updating uh, the the recovery plan right now we're using uh, pressure oxidation for the sulfide material which is requires a fairly substantial capital investment yeah. Uh, uh, Bioox is going to be a lot less. Uh, we're pattern, patterning that uh, plant after the Obawasi plant that Anglo um, operates in, in uh, Ghana. So was was the PEA last year just for Motherload? Yeah, the PEA was for Motherload and North Bullfrog. Oh, it was for Bullfrog. And, and and so we just looked at North Bullfrog as. Uh, uh, you know, we didn't break it up into a phase one where we could start okay. with a lot less capital. Okay. We looked at developing all of it together at the same time. Okay. You've got a lot on your plate in 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exciting. So a friend of ours, uh, I won't name names, but uh, he described you as a uh, serial discoverer. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and then, so I'm just wondering, like, if you look back on your career, because you've been yeah. doing this for so long, and you've yeah. got this, what appears to be just an, a great project, which obviously will be mine someday. Yep. Yeah. We don't know when, but it, yeah. it, it appears it will be someday. When you look back, you know, what were some of the lows that you went through your career to get to this? Because it kind of feels like you're on the cusp of really, like, you're, on, you're getting to the top of the hill to getting to achieving so much success that a lot of geologists don't get a chance to reach. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't really had any of those low points. I've had a series of discoveries that have kept me very excited in my career. And I, probably some of the biggest low points is, uh, is working in, in very structured corporate environments for large mining companies where I spent a lot of my career at. And those are difficult for uh, more, I would say, entrepreneurial or, or uh, exploration-driven kind of guys that really want to get out there and and do things, uh, you know, rapidly and right. and, uh, and and try and make discoveries. So, uh, one of the best things that ever happened was in 2006 when I set up uh, ITH and started that company and uh, and uh, getting in the the junior market, which allows me the flexibility to do basically to lead the company where I want to take it mm -hmm. myself. And, and that's great. ITH was a, a really good success for us, and then we spun out Corvus Gold, and Corvus has had a good run as well. Uh, and uh, you know, but you know, when you when you go from one discovery to the next, uh, it's uh, it's a pretty exciting life to live. I, uh, I my kids ask me this all the time. Of 
gee, Dad, like, you know, what are the challenges? I'm like, you know, I really haven't had a lot of challenges. <laughs> it's been a pretty good run. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's great news. Yeah, like, I know. And a lot of geologists don't uh, don't get to say that. I know, I know. But uh, it's uh, it's been great, though. It's uh, it's certainly the coolest job I could ever imagine doing. I want to ask you, we're, we're, you and I are fortunate enough to actually meet here in person because we're yeah. both Denver area <laughs> locals, right? Yeah. So we're not a part of the Toronto or the Vancouver crowd. Right. Uh, but, but Denver really has, even though it's a smaller community of geologists and, mm -hmm. and miners and, and developers, it's, it's, it's still a pretty tight community. And I guess like, you know, we're sitting here, we're in Southwest Denver, we got the Hogback Range and the mm -hmm. Denver foothills to, well, your right and my left. I mean, what is? I'm just curious about this uh, this this culture of mining in Denver, and, and yeah. from what I've been told, like there were so many highs in the '80s and the '90s, yep. and things yeah, really the kind oil of and gas boom and well, all that. Yeah, and things kind of slowed down. And, and do you think there's an opportunity to maybe make Denver another, like the U.S. hub of of mineral exploration once again? Uh, you know, it's. Uh, it just depends on, on where the assets are. I mean, uh, uh, Denver's great because it's got a really good airport here and people can travel in and out of here. That's why Anglo moved their corporate office here for uh, the Americas. Um, and that's why I moved here because I, I came here when that happened. Uh, and when I moved here, my wife made it very clear to me since we lived all over the place in not such nice places as geologists do, uh, that uh, she and the kids are living here and I can go do whatever <laughs> you, I want. You had to do her a favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I mean, Denver's a great community and it would be a good, a good spot. Uh, but, you know, you st I think places like Reno are still going to be very important uh, yeah. mining hubs. Um, you know, to some degree, Salt Lake is a decent mining hub, you know, uh, although it's getting less with the, the wind down of uh, Bingham. Uh, but, uh, you know, I... I don't really see a mining hub, you know, as we, as you know, the, the real hub for uh, groups like ours is Vancouver right. or Toronto, and, uh, and that's mainly because that's where the venture capital is to, to fund these kind of uh, uh, activities. So, uh, you know, uh, I would love for it to be Denver. We have, a, as you say, a really good group of geologists here. Mm -hmm. I think we met at a social occasion yeah. just a little while ago. So. Uh, <laughs> So it was, uh, it's, it's a cool place and, uh, and uh, you know, I would definitely uh, uh, put it in the running for uh, a good hub for someone. But, you know, I think like Anglo is probably moving to London uh, mm -hmm. from Joburg and, uh, you know, they could have moved to Toronto or New York, but I think they'll end up moving to London. Uh, so I think that, you know, a lot of companies are, are based around those financial markets. Yeah. So. Um, and for guys like us, it's Toronto and Vancouver, you know. Yeah, but we're only one flight away, right? Yeah, that's And now right. we're one flight away to London, which is excellent. That's right. So, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, kind of one last follow-up question. I'm just kind of curious if there, you see any opportunity or interest in, in being officially traded on a, a New York stock exchange Absolutely. somewhere in the U.S. And if you would do that this year? Or, Absolutely. So. And, and that is a goal that we have. Uh, we, are, we are already a fully uh, uh, SEC reporter. We're a full SOX uh, compliant. Uh, we're, we're already uh, do everything that we would normally do if we had a senior U.S. listing, a New York listing. 
and when I started ITH, we moved from Toronto to New York, and that was a huge move for us. Uh, the trading liquidity went up three, four-fold, and, uh, and it was a much better market for us. Uh, and I think that exact same thing will happen with Corvus. So Corvus is, you know, we, we've had this little downturn in gold. I think uh, the new year is going to be positive. Corvus is ready for that listing. So uh, we will uh, definitely be looking at that. As Right now, the only thing that is holding us back is we during the listing period, we have to have a share price above $2 US. Mm -hmm. And right now, we're about a $1.40, $1.50 Fifty mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I'm anticipating a lot of good news coming from uh, Motherload, and I think that, that we'll get back up there. I mean, we were there uh, last year, so um, I think we'll we'll get back up there. So, well, the friends at Equinox across the border yeah. there, they just started trading on the New York Stock. I know exchange. they did a rollback, which is probably not in the interest of our shareholders, and so we'll try and do it organically and, and get there. You know, with right. uh, you know, with uh, value driven by the company. So, uh, uh, you know, I but that is a, a, a serious goal for us, and that could have a major impact for our shareholders, not only in share price, but it could have a huge impact on liquidity, and a lot of funds could then come in and start picking up Corvus because we're traded on the senior senior exchange. Have you uh, you've been through a couple different cycles before? Yeah. I'm just kind of curious with conversations that maybe similarities and conversations you've had like leading up to the previous bull cycle if you're yeah. starting to see that now again as, I, I as am now. actually I, I you know we look at, uh, at uh, trading uh, volumes we look at uh, trading prices of, of a whole suite of juniors and uh, when we saw the last cycle we saw that uh, the gold price went up in 2004 and we saw producer prices go up in 2006 and we saw the juniors lag until 2009 and in 2009, we saw a major spike in, uh, in uh, junior equities prices. And, uh, and, it's, uh, and it, it really was driven by the fact that, that the producers were making more money, the shareholders of those producers wanted to more exposure to more of that money, which means more ounces produced, and that all of a sudden we started going into a cycle of M&A. And uh, you know, over the last few weeks, we've seen some of that start to happen. I think, and uh, even development projects. Uh, uh, Taranga, I think, uh, just uh, purchased a development project from Barrick. And so, uh, uh, those are the kind of things that led up to the last bull market. And I see that same pattern happening. I think 2020 is going to be a, a time when juniors are going to outperform majors or producers. And that we're going to get that same spike we had yeah. back in '09, and uh, and uh, that was great for shareholders of junior companies, and uh, and you know it all sort of starts with M&A, and as that builds value, and uh, and companies are uh, becoming you know harder and harder for these producers to buy uh, at the prices that they think is fair, and they have to go move them up. Uh, that's that's what drove the last real bull market, yeah, I think. Yeah. So. Well, and last year, I think it was definitely a testament to moving projects forward and when things were just really, really struggling yes. to get even raise capital. I know. To get things moving. I mean, some CEOs literally just put projects on hold. Yes. Because they couldn't, they couldn't see why spend the money now. 
Yeah, so. and, uh, and you know, Corvus fortunately didn't have to do that. We've always been able to raise, uh, you know, enough money to, to keep advancing the project and making more discoveries. And so uh, I think one of the real key points is that it's, it's difficult when you put a project on hold to turn it back on again because yeah. you develop the skill set on site to make those discoveries and build their size. And you have to keep that skill set because that is a hard to come by commodity right now with good, talented geologic uh, skills and engineering skills that, that you can have in a junior company. Uh, and so uh, it's very important for us to keep that, that team together that can, you know, the, it looks like the market's turning and so everything is, uh, is getting a lot better. Those people are going to be harder to come yeah. by in the future. Yeah. Jeff, thanks so much for uh, joining us on Mining Stock Daily, and I wish you uh, not only best of luck in 2020, but Merry Christmas to you and all of your family and friends and colleagues there at Corvus. So Great, thanks. Thanks again. Appreciate it, Trevor. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.